I'm Allison, and our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen, whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful. We hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, the maybe going to fall asleep while I'm talking, but maybe he won't this time, Mr. Eric Robertson. Good morning. Can we tell the people what happened during the last podcast episode? I don't remember. I was asleep. <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to take this one on. Legitimately, Eric did not. Did, did you not feel good, or were you just tired? Or I, I think I went to bed early. I fell asleep like at eight or eight thirty, and then I woke up at eleven, and then couldn't fall back asleep till six in the morning. And then she wanted to record a podcast first thing in the morning. <laughs> and it was it was the podcast, and like they were ideas that I had been thinking about. And he's like, I don't really have too much to add. But then I didn't even <laughs> notice. Afterwards, he goes, "I'm really sorry. Thanks for not being mad." And I'm like, "Mad about what?" And he's like, "I fell asleep twice while you were talking." <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I guess if you fall asleep I'm here now. while I'm talking, you're not alone. Eric does too. Welcome to episode 135, Remix, Wicca Wicca, Why It's Okay to Be Wrong and What's Intellectual Humility. So Julie and I are, are combing through a lot of past podcast, podcast episodes while working on my book. We came across episode 75 and it's why you might be wrong and why that's a good thing. We both re-listened to it and we're like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect episode for right now. And I love it because it's from April of last year and you might have missed it. It was a loved episode, but easy to miss. Also, because I think people kind of skip over the title, why you might be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, no, I'm not. I was so happy that it was recorded when there's like no bias of the political state of things and the COVID state of things. So like none of what we're saying has anything to do with that. It's just this concept of really like pliability. And what's crazy, Eric, is this morning, are you awake, babe? Yep. (laughs) Just checking. If you ask again, I will go to sleep, though. (laughs) This morning, um, I found this article, and it gave the perfect, the perfect kind of oomph and weight to to the point that we that we're making in episode 75 and they call it it's it's a study from duke university and they call it intellectual humility in this study from duke university they say intellectual humility has been something of a wallflower among personality traits but it's a it's a little studied characteristic but it influences people's decision making abilities in politics health and other arenas so as defined by the authors intellectual humility is the opposite of intellectual arrogance or conceit. So essentially it resembles open-mindedness. Intellectually humble people can have strong beliefs but recognize their fallibility and are willing to be proven wrong on matters large and small. And so what's really interesting about this is they said that in a time of high partisanship, like we're seeing now, intellectual humility and awareness that one believes may be wrong is nonpartisan. So researchers measured the levels of the trait between liberals and conservatives and religious people and non-religious people, and they found essentially no difference. That's interesting. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. So I think it's super, super, like you might assume one group 
oh, the conservatives, or oh, the liberals, or the religious, or the non-religious, they don't have intellectual humility. But I'm, listen, I'm just, I'll, I'll cite the, the article, you can go and look at it. I just thought it was super interesting, because in this episode 75 that we're going to share with you, it's short, it's sweet, and there's applicable ideas for you. Essentially, what we didn't realize we were talking about is this concept of intellectual humility. And I want to tell you some pros of intellectual humility before we go into this. So you can, so these have been proven, proven pros of being intellectually humble. In the study, participants read essays arguing for and against religion and then were asked about the author's personality. And after reading an essay with which they disagreed, intellectually arrogant people gave the writer low scores in morality, honesty, competence, and warmth. But by contrast, intellectually humble people were less likely to judge the writer's character based on them having a difference in opinion. So that's like one way they judged it. Isn't that so interesting? Mm -hmm. And they say people who display intellectual humility did a better job of evaluating the quality of evidence even in mundane matters. For instance, when pressed with arguments about the benefits of flossing, intellectually humble people correctly distinguish strong fact-based arguments from weak ones. Hmm. And it also talked about how much potential and what a positive trait this is for leaders because they're better able to um, be open-minded to other people's ideas. It's just like such it's just like such a cool. I love having a phrase for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so let's get into this episode, why you might be wrong and why that's OK. My favorite part about this, we're not just we're not talking about politics. We're not talking about the virus. We're talking about why you might be wrong about yourself in some ways and how that's actually going to open you up to being even more of who you want to be and more of what you're dreaming of. And so here we go. Let's do it. What if you're wrong and why that's a good thing? And I feel like. People are going to have, like, visceral reactions to that. What if you're wrong? Like, you're wrong. Like, when I say you are incorrect, what does that do to you physically? Right? Um, Yeah. Nothing to you. I'm wrong all the time. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people who, when they hear it like that, like, they feel accused, they feel attacked. And that's what we're going to get into. We're going to break your brain open and examine why it's a good thing. So I want you to think of something that you would like fixed. I, l- I would like you to think of something that you would like solutions to. I would like you to think of something that is making you so mad or bugging you. And not to put you in a bad mood, but because we want to help all of us examine how maybe, just possibly, entertaining the idea that we could be incorrect about something is actually a really good thing that's going to help you find solutions and options and ideas in your life. I'm excited. Cool. Let's do it. Um, first, before we get into it, I have been sharing online more about the Dork Dungeon. And I just felt like, I mean, I guess this could kind of fall under the segment of sharing is caring and that I'm sharing about you. What do you want to know? Just tell everyone a little bit about the Dork Dungeon. Well, I grew up playing a ton of sports. Like, I was obsessed with baseball, pretty convinced I was going to become a pro player. Totally. Obsessed. Then when I was 14, I had a, I broke my leg pretty bad while playing baseball, and it was devastating. And so I was laying in bed, and I was, you know, on crutches, and I had to get surgeries because of growth plates and all that crazy stuff. So I couldn't play sports that summer. Mm. So some kids in my neighborhood were playing Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, they were. And those were my new friends for the summer. And I was like, 
well, this is this is this is my option. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in. So from that point, I didn't play it. You know, it comes and goes. But I have always had a soft spot for that. For like fantasy games, role fantasy. playing. Yeah, so fun. So <laughs> sometimes when I get sometimes when I want a new hobby, you know, I dive into a new hobby. So my friend, his name's James. We met uh, we met years ago, and. Uh, he shares the same same interests. So I uh, we we recently switched our basement rooms. We made one a workout room and one's a hobby room now. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna start building some miniatures. So Allison makes fun of me and calls it the Dork Dungeon. But I build like uh, I don't know a little. Castles he likes and that I call it the Dork Dungeon. I would not call it the Dork ju- Dungeon if it was like truly hurtful. He gets a big kick out of me calling it the Dork Dungeon. I, I love being made fun. of. Yeah, they they have a lot of fun. The cool thing is Eric has gotten really into making all these little miniatures. And that's what I've been sharing, like, on my Instagram stories. And so many people have responded and said, like, this makes me feel better about my husband. This makes me feel better about my husband playing video games. (laughs) And basically... I think the takeaway is we're all closeted dorks <laughs> and be proud of it. Follow your bliss, create your own dork dungeon. But I do think it's really important to um, explore the idea of, you know, hobbies. You know, it's just fun to create. Yeah. No matter what it is, it is very fulfilling. I love it. I make music all day, so that's not my hobby anymore. Anymore. So right now my my getaway is this and also King of the Hill is on Hulu, so. So we've been watching a lot of King of the Hill. So that is sharing is caring. We're sharing. There's huge dork happenings over at our house. (laughs) So if there's big dork happenings at your house, that's awesome too. So let's hop right into this episode. What if you're wrong and why that is a good thing? Now, before when I said, hey, you're wrong. And I mean, I know that that will turn a lot of people off. I can I can think of a lot of people yeah. who even just hearing that they're like, "Ooh, I don't like this girl. Ooh, I don't I don't like this one. I'm going to skip this episode." So if you've hung on this far, thank you because I want us all to break our brains a little bit. I want to explore this idea of why we don't like to be wrong. Why don't we like to be wrong? Why don't you like to be wrong? Well, it feels right. I mean, it feels good to be right. I I guess I don't like to be wrong. I don't know. I don't really view it that way anymore. James Allen, one of my favorite authors, talked about like opinions and <laughs> and uh, how they they basically put rules on the universe and put you in a construct that's like not it basically blocks you from all the goodness and all the stuff. And and I, I think about this like when you're a kid, you were you were wrong about so many things. And at what point, and if you think you're right about everything, like what age did you suddenly become right about stuff? Well, and it, I've been reading a lot about adult development and there's these different stages. Adult development is something that they've really just focused on in the last 50 or 60 years. And there's all this new science and terminology and there's different phases of adult development. And one of the phases is the expert phase. Uh-huh. And in the expert phase, you start holding on to the idea that your ideas are correct. You're opening yourself up to other ideas that might not be correct. And I think this is where a lot of us sit is, oh no, I know that there's other ideas that aren't mine, but they're lesser ideas. <laughs> and so so I think there's a lot of people sitting there who like, no, 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 no. I know I'm not right all the time. It's just my logic is better than other people's logic. And in Buddhism, and I've talked about this before and I freaking love it, the 
the concept of love is understanding. And as I've been thinking about this so much, when I refuse to have understanding or when I'm not looking for understanding, which is the idea that my logic isn't better than other people's logic. The understanding that their life experiences and their knowledge and their brain might be wired differently, that their logic is very sound to them. And holding space, I think, is like the good term for it of like, yeah, maybe I totally am wrong. I think the reason why that can be so hard for us is we're all in different phases of our development. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you are, oh, you're not as advanced. You're not as developed. Because that's one interesting thing I've been learning about adult development is sometimes we skip phases. And it's not like you move from one phase to the next. Um, this is Thomas McConkie. I'm reading a book by him. And he he describes it as nesting dolls. Okay. So like instead of thinking you grow and move on from one stage, it's more like they're nested within each other. Like, so think of Russian nesting dolls. Yeah. And if you try to skip or move past one of these stages of adult development, like you might get stuck or certain things might be triggered, right? Yeah. So the idea isn't that it's like linear, like you're far behind, but it truly might be like you ha- you, you've skipped or not quite developed in this stage where this idea of you being wrong means really horrible things for you. Okay. And so I think that some people believe that when they're wrong, it means that they themselves are wrong. Yeah, that one, that's the ego. That's right? the ego. Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, he talks about the ego. The ego exists to support itself. It exists to feed itself. I mean, and if you don't feed it, and the ego doesn't want to be wrong. The ego takes things very personally, and that isn't you. That is your ego. You are not your ego. Yes. Your ego is is something that you can, like, feed yeah. or deny. And this this happens, like, at work. I'll be working with somebody, and they'll bring me something back, and it won't be correct. Yeah. And what I mean by correct is what I want. Yeah. Because in the terms of The Allison Show, correct is essentially what I want to put in. <laughs> yeah. What I decide I want to put out there. I can see how lots of different people, contract workers, my full-time employees, they can bring something back to me that they care about. And I'll be like, hey, this is great. I want to tweak this. And they can start to shut down. Mm-hmm. And, and I can do that too, because we work really hard on something. We put ourselves into it. We've done what we believe is best. And somebody comes at you and says, this is incorrect. And we mistakenly let that be become a reflection of ourselves. Yeah, that you are incorrect. That you are incorrect. So one of the reasons why it can be so hard to be wrong is because it can make us feel wrong. Another yeah. reason that it can be so hard to be wrong is that it we are programmed to have a sense of identity so that we can survive. Mm-hmm. We are programmed to be like, I am like this, I do this, because staying within that box, like as a hunter-gatherer or whatever, keeps us safe. It helps us survive from being attacked and eaten. But that doesn't serve us anymore in our society. So when we overly identify with these external factors, let's say I am a hairstylist or I am a mom or I am a vegan or I am an introvert or I am an Enneagram 7, we have this sense of identity. Anything that questions that, we fight like hell against it. It's one of our greatest tendencies of human nature is to fight against anything that is making us question our identity of ourselves. Because again, that instinct is in place to keep us safe. Right. So it can maybe make you feel unsafe if you're wrong. Also, I think it's important here to look at how you were raised. Because this is another thing is, were you raised that every time you were incorrect, maybe you were physically 
beaten for it. Maybe you were verbally beaten for it. Maybe you were shamed for it. Maybe you were made to feel stupid. I know people who growing up were shamed for being incorrect and I can see them fight so hard to not be incorrect and I can be looking at them like, why are you, why do you care so much? Mm-hmm. And then I have to remember, I don't have their experience. And that goes back to the idea of understanding. And so even ask yourself like, how were you treated growing up if you were wrong? Because it's funny, you were so upset the other day when you ruined my bowl. Remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he kept apologizing. And it's not even my bowl. It's just a bowl we have in the kitchen. And you kept apologizing. Oh, I'm so sorry I ruined the bowl. I'm so sorry. And I'm looking at him like, when have I ever cared? Like, you would think that I, like, backhand Eric if he if he heard something in the kitchen because of how he kept apologizing for this bowl. And finally, he's like, my mom used to get really mad at me when I would ruin kitchen stuff. Well, no, not, no my mom would just, like, she has this crazy remembrance of everything like yeah she she, catalogs she she catalogs her kitchen items yeah like you don't take stuff out of the kitchen like i remember in high school my friend clint made like a milkshake and we were driving down the road like he was in his truck eating a eating milkshake out of a cup my mom drove by (laughs) and like honked the horn and made us stop she's like that does not leave my kitchen (laughs) was it the cup or the spoon or what it was like a cup and a spoon oh my gosh so I think I just had this and again, guilt. I'm like, I, we are you, just, not you, you just don't, you just don't touch the kitchen stuff. You yeah. don't ruin it. So I, I've had Paris of plaster and it sat, it like got really hard from the dork bowl. dungeon. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. This was, I shouldn't have done that. And so we're not saying Eric's mom was, you know, crazy aggressive or anything, but it, that the kitchen stuff was important to her. So I think a lot of us not wanting to be wrong. It threatens our identity. We might be in a different phase of psychological development where seeing ourselves as wrong can mean different things about us, but also there's a lot of nurture there too. Yeah. And so let's talk about why it is okay to be wrong, why it's a good thing, and how it's going to help you. So I want you to ask yourself, maybe what are some things that I am willing to acknowledge I could be incorrect about? Maybe some ideas you have, people, intentions. The number one thing that I think that this is going to be helpful for is what if you're wrong about yourself? What if you're wrong about your abilities? And not you're wrong about your abilities like, Yeah, I knew I couldn't do it, but wrong about your abilities as in you can do way more than you think you can. You're capable of way more. I did a keynote and I, and I said, people ask me so often recently, like what Enneagram I am and like all personality quizzes and different things like that. I think that they're really powerful tools to help us understand ourselves. But I so often from where I sit, see people using them as excuses and limitations. I can't do that because I'm a four. Oh, I certainly should never do something like that because I'm a two. I do not mean to mock it. I've been there, but Again, that's you wanting to define yourself and put yourself in this box and keep yourself in a box. Now, I 100% get how they can be tools that you can use as connection and an understanding. So I don't need you coming at me telling me all the pros. I get the pros. I genuinely do. I just want you to ask yourself, are you using it as an excuse? Are you using it to hide behind? Because I think that that very often happens. Oh, for sure. And what comes to my mind is, what's that organ runner? There's a movie about that guy. He had like one leg shorter than the other, Steve Prefontaine or something. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, Prefontaine, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be a runner. Like, he had one leg short, and he, mm-hmm. he, was, he was put in a box, and he could have listened to that. And we can listen to these boxes that were put into that may have some truth to it. But if he would have listened, you know what I'm saying? Like, he set records, and he's like a huge inspiration to many people. 
I love that. And so we really want to explore this from, my, from the idea of what if you're wrong about yourself and all the amazing things you actually can do. So what is maybe being able to view yourself or see how an idea or an intention or something that you have is incorrect? What's it going to do for you? And the first thing I think it's going to do for you, it's going to free up some energy. Let me tell you why. Because when you are fighting to be correct all the time, that takes fear, that takes anxiety, and it is exhausting. When you are so worried that you're going to be wrong, that's just so much energy wrapped up in fear. And that reminded me of like, remember, like keeping up a lie. Yeah. I remember, like as a kid, you're trying to keep up a lie and it just keeps piling on. It's like the plot like, of so many movies yeah. where it's so stressful. You're like, <laughs> why do they just keep lying? Why do they just keep lying? Right? Yeah. And this examining this idea, maybe I'm incorrect about this person. Maybe I did have fault in that scenario. Maybe this belief isn't serving me anymore. Like, what if I'm incorrect about this? It's just going to like, you're not holding on so tight. And anytime you're holding on so tight, it's exhausting. And so the idea is we want to open ourselves up. If you're not ever willing to be wrong, you're not willing to grow. I've been saying this a lot lately, and I really like it. And it is, it has to break so that you can fix it. Yeah. And we don't want things to break. And we don't want things to be incorrect. And we want things to just stay cobbled together with scotch tape and glue and just, you know, function as best they can. But when the whole thing finally crumbles to the ground, you're forced to reassemble it. You're forced to look for new ideas, new systems, new solutions. And that's how you grow. And so if you're never willing to be incorrect, if you're holding on so dear to every belief you've ever had that's no longer serving you, you're not going to be able to grow. On this idea of if you're not willing to be wrong, you're not willing to grow and things need to break in order for you to fix it, I love how it comes full circle to the dork dungeon, where if your leg hadn't broken, you wouldn't have grown Of course, we don't want your leg to break, but you wouldn't have grown that whole other set of interest and skills that is now like 20 plus years later, totally serving you. Oh, and at the time, that was like the most devastating thing. I was like 14 in the summer. It was like spring. So I was sitting in bed in the summer. Yeah. It was like my world. And I know that like, it's not a big deal. But, but it is my, a big, it was a big was, deal to a 14-year-old but, boy. But now I, and I remember looking at people walking and like, oh my gosh, they don't even know how good they, they have it. And so I have so much empathy for broken bones. You really do. And hurt. I, I totally remember those feelings. And I look back and I'm like, that's not even a big deal that that happened. But I am more empathetic now. And it's been a huge blessing for me to relate and to comfort my own children and people around me from that from that break. And now I have a fun hobby. And I just, I really, really love the idea of you know, whether there are things we bring upon ourselves or things that life thrust upon us, whether you break your leg or you create your own suffering due to some addictive behavior or, or whatever, right? Whatever happens in life, we get to choose to learn from it vertically and grow up or we choose to fight and not grow and be stuck in pain. you're going to have pain either way. Right. You get to choose whether to make it meaningful and have it help you understand your purpose and yourself more fully or to just be mad about it. Can I take this on a little journey? Take me on a journey. So we always watch uh, Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I love that movie so much. And Kronk is obviously the best character in in the movie. Yeah, he is. And if you think about it, him and Yzma go on the exact same path. They have the same things happening to them. 
Yeah. But, but he he's he's willing to be wrong. He's willing so to So Isma's the, the really evil character who's trying to kill the emperor and Kronk is her hunky sidekick. And he's just like he's always happy. I mean, he goes through awful stuff. He's like serving her the whole time, but he's yeah. so happy. And I know it's a cartoon, but that is so relevant in life. It is so relevant. Like if I could sum this whole thing up. Yeah. We live in this vast beautiful universe that's incomprehensible. There's so much beauty and love and uh, dramatic emotions on both sides, pain, suffering. And every time we choose or make a have an opinion on something, we just put up a wall and we put up a box and we keep doing that and we decide, oh, this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. This is where I stay. And we just keep closing ourselves in. Whereas if you're willing to let go of the ego and just see the beauty and accept things and being wrong is actually liberating. And I'm so glad that, I'm, I mean, I still struggle with it sometimes, but I'm so glad that I had that realization years ago that opinions really don't don't help you they really don't it just it, it the puts reason, a wall up the reason we hold on to our opinions is we think they create our identity they don't at they all. don't they're you, your you, opinions are not who you are your, your passions your loves your, uh, your your lessons that you've learned that that's your identity i mean you're like this eternal being it's not it's not your your identity is not that you're an expert at something your identity also isn't that oh well whenever anything like this happens this is how i behave Because if that's your identity, like Eric said, you're just putting yourself in that box. You never get to grow out of it. And so even me walking around saying like, oh, I'm a really anxious person or every time I perform, I get anxious. That's not my anxiety. It's not my identity. How I choose to respond to it and try to grow through it, that's, I believe that's my identity. And so really the fourth thing, opening your mind and allowing yourself to be wrong is going to do for you. It's going to help you detach your actions from your value. It's going to help you detach your actions from your value, which is hard to do. I am working on it every day, detaching detaching what I achieve and what I accomplish from what I think my value is. And man, that was something that was really hard after I was hit and I was in bed and I couldn't serve people. Because it's not like, oh, I'm just some altruistic being who has to serve people all the time. That's how I get a lot of my value. Is by helping other people. And when I didn't feel like I could physically help anyone or emotionally help anyone, I didn't feel like I deserved to show up anywhere. And I remember one time, this was before I was hit, I was feeling so, so broken and so drained. And I was invited to this event and I didn't want to go because I didn't have anything to give. And I remember showing up and just looking at the host and just saying like, I'm so sorry, like I've got nothing to give. And she was like, what are you talking about? I don't. I don't want you to give anything. I just, I just want you here. Just receive. And that is something that I've been trying to focus on. When I got up to do our Build an Awesome Brand workshop in Palm Springs, I was like, me trying to give all this love and light and knowledge means nothing if I'm not also willing to receive it. And I think that that is like the cherry on top where if we're not willing to be incorrect, we're not re- willing to receive answers. Yeah. We're not willing to receive guidance. We're not We're just not willing to receive, period. So I want you to ask yourself, how could asking and allowing yourself to be incorrect about something serve you? How could it serve you? Instead of shifting blame, instead of giving excuses, instead of saying it's not fair, I didn't know, how could it serve you? And I really, really hope that it can serve you. And I want to leave you with this thought. Are you trying to make the universe comply to your understanding of it? Or are you trying to understand this vast, vast universe. 
we are specks of dust, (laughs) dust in the wind. And I'm like, here I am trying to take my will and my understanding and and push it on everyone. When how much more is it going to serve me by allowing myself to break my brain open a little bit? So we hope this has served you. This has been a fun episode, 75. What if you're wrong and why that's a good thing? I don't know. I hope you get a new idea. I hope you're willing to maybe feel a little bit better if you were feeling wrong or incorrect like you made a mistake. You can see all the benefits there. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode, maybe if it was your first time or your second time listening to it. And I hope that you'll just take some of those action items, take some of those questions. Yeah, I I have a sneaky suspicion that you are wrong. Only, only a little bit in your potential, uh, about your potential, about just how incredible you are, just how powerful you are, uh, just about how much influence you have and how much you have the ability to make a difference. I think a lot of us really, really underestimate that. I'm cheering for you. I'm rooting for you. And I'm just so grateful you're here. Eric, did we get any new reviews? We did. Some very oh, nice ones. Oh, guys, thank you so much for your reviews. This one's from Marissa Kump. She says... Every time I listen to the podcast, I am filled with so much hope. When looking for things that make me feel energized, happy, or uplifted, it's putting on a podcast, and 99% of the time, the podcast is awesome with Allison. The podcast has been part of my healing, along with many other things. Please don't ever stop making podcasts. I love you both. Thank you so much. We're, we just are going to send you goodies and bribe you for your praise. No, <laughs> shoot an email to awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com. That's always Allison with one L. We're just so grateful you're here. Will you guys do me a favor? Will you either click subscribe to the podcast if you're not subscribed so that you get the weekly notifications of new posts going up. It's just super easy to do. Or if you found something valuable from this or any of our past podcasts, will you share it with just one person? We are getting the ball rolling on our podcast again, and we love building an awesome army, an awesome empire with you guys of feeling and sharing this um, positivity uh, and realness. You know, it's not all it's not all happiness and giggles, but we're going to get through it together and have that hope. So remember this. Only you can be you, and you're already as awesome as you need to be. Mr. Eric Robertson, do you have a song for us to go out on? I do. Uh, this song is to contemplate your wrongness. Oh. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> no. You can do a self-evaluation. I'm just totally kidding. Uh, this song is called Morning of the First Snow, and it is uh, from my new album. Uh, it's kind of like an album. New collection, Autumn Morning at Pleasant Pictures Music Club. You could use this for your videos, for whatever you need, whatever content you're making. Uh, go to pleasantpictures.club and use code awesome with Eric for 20% off. The song is called Morning of the First Snow. <laughs>